Uh, I know some of you are wondering what in the world is going on in the world, and we're all wondering that. Uh, but one of the comforts that I have is sometimes to see God's activity in small things. And one of the ways that I've seen God's activity is, uh, is in and through the sermon series that we've been on. I've been bringing a suitcase up here every Sunday morning. I didn't try to bring it up here this morning, but some of you have seen that suitcase. And uh, my wife, when I first brought that suitcase, was, was she, she made very sure there was nothing inside it because she didn't want anything to fall out that might embarrass us or or you, but at, I began this series back in January, and uh, began bringing that suitcase, and last week I brought the suitcase on the Sunday, on the Sunday the message title was God's Plan for Global Crisis, and that's just where we are, I mean God had it arranged, I couldn't have arranged that, I couldn't have imagined that, and yet that's the place that God has brought us to at this time in, in the history of our church. And in the history of our world and so just with that simple thing that that god knew in advance uh, of, of what the sermon series was going to be and what needed to be preached here at first baptist church loosedale at least for our church family and hopefully for some of the rest of you who are listening so we've been looking at the life of of 12 brothers joseph is one of those brothers they were having some problems in their family uh, there was some resentment that uh, surfaced in that family uh, and so uh, it was packed away in the suitcase of their hearts. And we all do that. We pack things inside the suitcase of our hearts. And there are things inside that we don't want others to see. And uh, we stuff it in and forget it. And sometimes years pass before we take an inventory of what's inside. So we've simply used that suitcase as an illustration of the human heart. And we're in the process of looking at the complicated relationships that existed between these brothers and relationships get complicated in our church and in our families and, and in our world the sin of resentment took root in their heart and as a result a god-appointed emptiness entered their lives they were swept up in a global crisis this is a story in the bible this is what excites me it happened in the bible and here it is happening today god was in control then god is in control now and in their lives they came by divine appointment to a significant time of need. It was a time of famine. God was speaking to them through their crisis and they came to believe that their crisis and their need was the result of their own sin. And so here we are attempting to participate in church online or on the radio because we too are swept up in a global crisis. God had a plan to meet their need. God also has a plan to meet your need and my need, as well as to deal with the emptiness that exists in our lives as a result of sin. These brothers had a future, even as they stood in the midst of this global crisis, but before they could make their journey into the future, it was necessary for them to face their past. And so that's the title of the message today, is Facing Your Past on the Way to the Future, and how God brings that about how sometimes he he has a way of using things to surface our past so that we'll deal with it and so the first point i want to make this morning is in the life of joseph and his brothers we're going to be looking at chapter 42 in the book of genesis at some selected verses and also moving a little bit into chapter 43 uh, this god-appointed emptiness this famine that spread across the land that global crisis was god's way of bringing them to look inside the suitcase of their heart 
bringing them to consider their past. Is that what God is doing in your life in the midst of this global crisis? Is he prompting you to go through the baggage of your heart and to remove all that serves to separate you from him? When they went to Egypt, and they did because in Egypt there was grain, their old father told them that, and, and when they began that journey to Egypt, they didn't know that God was in charge of their journey. They also didn't know, know it would bring them face to face with their past. But it was a journey that was absolutely necessary. There was no other solution to their emptiness. In chapter 42, verse 2, a verse we looked at last Sunday, we'll look at it again today. Jacob said, Behold, I have heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some food for, for, for us from that place so that we may live and not die. Oh, that was the only solution to their emptiness. It was a matter of life and death. It was true physically, but it was also true spiritually. So there's a physical component to this crisis that we're facing in our world today. But we also need to look for the underlying spiritual component to it and how we need to respond. Your spiritual future, your journey with God, the plan that God has for your life demands that he bring you face to face with the past that is packed in the suitcase of your heart. Number two, the second point I want to make is simply this. It is no accident that all of us are standing in the midst of a global crisis. I don't think you think it's an accident either. It's no accident that it is causing some measure of brokenness in your life and mine. God is at work, but the work that he wants to do in the midst of this present global crisis is the same as then. It's the work of salvation and deliverance. Without that global crisis in the world of that day, these brothers would have never turned to God. These 10 brothers had to go to Egypt to end their emptiness in their hearts and in their homes. It was a God-appointed journey designed to make them look inside the suitcase of their hearts. So they came and, and they made that journey and when they got there, they found themselves standing before their long-lost brother Joseph, who they had told their father he was dead but he wasn't dead they had sold him as a slave and here he was the right hand man to pharaoh he was the one in charge of people getting food in the midst of that global crisis in the in that meeting with joseph god was reminding them of their sin and the long years of spiritual famine they had endured because of it genesis chapter 42 verse 8 again we read it last sunday but we're going to read it again today but Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had about them and said to them, You are spies, and you've come to look at the undefended parts of our land. Then they said to him, No, my lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. Yet he said to them, No, but you've come to look at the undefended parts of our land. But they said, Your servants are twelve brothers in all the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no longer alive. As they answered Joseph's questions, their hearts were being probed by the Spirit of God. They couldn't think of themselves as 11 brothers, although they told their father one was dead. They still had to think of themselves as 12. That, that other missing brother, Joseph, they didn't know was standing in front of them. That was haunting their conscience. Their father was still broken by it. Their homes had never been the same 
since that day. It all began with the sin of resentment. It's interesting to me that today we're practicing social distancing to remove ourselves from a contagious virus that spreads throughout the land. But what I've been trying to tell you over the past weeks is that the root of resentment also spreads like a virus. And the very first thing that resentment causes is social distancing. It separates people from one another. But worse than that, it causes spiritual distancing. It separates people from God. Resentment changes the dynamic of everything. If it infects you, then it'll infect your heart. It'll change your home. It'll change your church. It brings grief to the Father's heart. So what is it doing to you? What blessings has it blocked from your life? And how long has your resentment separated you from the Father? How long has there been a spiritual famine in your life because of the things that you've been carrying in the suitcase of your heart? I want to show you how God was unzipping the suitcase of their hearts. First, this emptiness, this God-appointed famine, this global crisis. Then the journey. They had to take some steps for that crisis to end. And now they come face-to-face -face with Joseph, and he's probing them for information about their father and their family. But as Joseph is probing them, something else is happening. The Holy Spirit is probing them even deeper. God began to convict them of their sin against Joseph long before they recognized the man who was standing before them was their own brother who they sold as a slave more than two decades before. Chapter 42, verse 21. They said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when we, he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against a boy, but you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. I just want to remind you, this was an old sin that was coming to surface in their mind. It was more than two decades prior. It was an old sin. It happened a long time ago. I want to ask you a question. Does God require that you and I face the sins of our past? Yes. If you want to step into the future that God wants for you, God requires you to take an inventory of your heart. He requires you to face the sin that you thought you had long buried in the suitcase of your heart. Last week, I, I suggested some things that God would require for you to be right with Him. What has to be removed from the suitcase of your heart? Well, simply this. Everything that's not of God, every secret sin, every passion, every wrong priority, every disobedience, every single rag of resentment. When God gets ready to do a work in your life, He will unzip the suitcase of your heart and show you what's there. What you do next will determine whether or not you can continue on your journey with God. Chapter 42, verse 23. They didn't realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He was an Egyptian, they were not. He was using an interpreter, but he could speak their language so he knew exactly what they were saying. And Joseph began, he, he turned away from them and began to weep. But then he turned back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. Then Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack, and to give them provisions for their journey. Now what Joseph was doing when he took Simeon from them and bound them, pretending to hold him as a hostage, 
He was saying, I want you to bring your younger brother back here. He was trying to make sure these guys were telling the truth that they hadn't killed his younger brother too or hadn't sold him as a slave. He said, bring him back. He was trying to get news about his family, trying to figure some things out himself, Joseph was, in his own life. And here his brothers are standing before Joseph. Their resentment had cost them two brothers now. One they had sold into slavery, one they had to leave in Egypt as a prisoner and go back and tell their dad. And their heart sank in chapter 42, verse 28, if you look at the last part of that verse, their heart sank and they turned trembling to one another saying, look at what they said, what is this that God has done to us? These 10 brothers lived godless lives for decades. Suddenly they were brought to an awareness that God was at work. God was surfacing their long buried sin and bringing it to judgment. Here's my next point. God was at work in the midst of that global crisis. And God is at work in the midst of this global crisis. But it would go even deeper than that. And so they journeyed home. They had to go back and tell their father, hey, we had to, we had to leave a brother in Egypt. He, he wasn't able to come home with us. And listen to how it turns out as they explain the details of what happened. Chapter 42, verse 29. When they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that happened, saying, The man, the Lord of the land, spoke harshly with us and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, We are honest men, we are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no longer alive, and the youngest is with our father today in the land of Canaan. The man, the Lord of the land, said to us, by this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your household and go. But bring your youngest brother to me so that I may know that you are not spies but honest men. I will give your brother to you and you may trade in the land. Now it came about as they were emptying their sacks that behold every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when their father saw their bundles of money they were dismayed. Their father Jacob said to them, you, you have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and you would take Benjamin. All these things are against me. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, You may put my two sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my care, and I will return him to you. But Jacob said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If harm should befall him on the journey you are taking, then you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. Jacob simply didn't know how that statement would cut them to the quick. He said, You, you ten, have deprived me of my children. Never a word had been spoken all this time that Joseph had been gone, leveling any blame on them. But now the Spirit of God was using their circumstances and the words of, jo and the words of Joseph and the words of their father to confront them with their guilt. These ten men had a broken relationship with their brother. They had a broken relationship with their father. And they had a broken relationship with God. And if you just... Turn the page and look at the first verse of chapter 43. All that was still broken. And the Bible says the famine was still severe in the land. As long as you allow the sin of resentment to cause social distancing 
between you and someone else. It will result in spiritual distance between you and God. A deep famine of spiritual emptiness will gnaw at the pit of your soul. There will be a spiritual famine in your life. There was grain in Egypt. The whole world was going to Joseph, but there was emptiness in their bowls and emptiness in their heart and emptiness that would only be filled when that relationship was restored. I wonder what sin the Lord brings to mind in your life. What guilt haunts your heart? What is it that shuts the windows of heaven against you, against your family, against your church, against our world? We've come to the, when we come to the 44th chapter of Genesis, I just want to look at uh, one verse there. Uh, over two decades have passed. After two decades, they're still haunted by their sin against their brother. Uh, their father was still broken by it. Their homes and their hearts had never been the same. Uh, these brothers were hounded by the guilt of what they'd done to their brother Joseph. The only resolution to their grief, their guilt, and their emptiness in their lives was for God to bring them face to face with their sin, with the sin of their past. God opens up the suitcase of your ark so that he, will sh he can show you what's inside in crisis. This is what God does in crisis. Here's the next point. God shows us our hearts so that we will repent. If God doesn't bring you to see the grief that your sin has brought to your heart and your home and heaven itself, you won't repent. As long as that sin is shut up in the suitcase of your heart and you don't see it for what it is, you won't turn to God. So this is a story of God's activity in the lives of men who were sinners. It's the story of how God brought these brothers face to face with their sin and the one they sinned against. It's the story of how God reminded them of the grief their sin had brought into their own lives and into, into the Father's heart. And now they find themselves at Joseph's house for their day of reckoning. They were sinners brought to judgment before this man who stood before them as their Savior. He was the one they sinned against. He was the one they had wronged. They were guilty, and they were guilty of stealing over two decades of his life, and they had borne that guilt every minute of all those years. Now, much later in, in this story, in, in verse 16 of chapter 44, the oldest brother speaks. His name is Judah. He pours out his heart. Not only does he speak because he was the oldest, he speaks because he was the one who hatched the plot to sell his brother Joseph to the Midianites. He'd been a Judas to his own brother. He said, what profit is there for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Let's just sell him and make a profit. And his brothers listened to him. And now he stood in judgment before Joseph, who knew who he was, knew what he had done, although Joseph didn't recognize him. So ultimately Judah would say to Joseph, and this is much later in the story, he said, what can we say to my Lord, verse 16 of chapter 44, what can we speak and how can we justify ourselves? God, God has found out the iniquity of your servants. When God brings you to himself, and brings you face to face with him, this will be your answer before him. You will not be able to give an excuse. You will not be able to justify what you did or what you've held in the suitcase of your heart. When God opens that suitcase and shows you what's inside, all you can say is, God, you have shown me my sin. You have discovered what I thought I had hidden. These men were brought to answer for their sin. There's a judgment day coming for your sin and mine. 
in that day God will bring you face to face with your sin and guilt. It's a day that will open your eyes to the harm that your sin has brought into your life and the lives of those you love. That day will come as you bow before God in confession and repentance, or it will come as you stand before His throne on the day of judgment and, and, and give an account for the story of your life and your sin. These men were brought face to face with their past on their way to the future. If you don't allow God to show you what's concealed in the suitcase of your heart so that He can help you deal with it, it will sabotage your future. It will steal it. It will keep you from becoming the person that God intended you to be. Is that what God is doing in the midst of this global crisis? If I told you when this series began that a sweeping global crisis would come in just a few weeks and shut down almost every business in America and close the doors of every church, you would have laughed in my face. But here we are. What is God trying to tell us? What is the spiritual lesson we need to learn as a planet shelters in place to stop the spread of a virus? Know this, there's something worse. It's the contagion of sin that rages unchecked. There's no vaccine for it. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. There's no escape from death. The only hope is that your soul will be redeemed by trusting in the one God sent to be the Savior of the world. His name is Jesus. In that day, the message of the hour in the midst of that global crisis that these brothers were in was go to Joseph. Today, God commands that all men everywhere repent and come to Jesus. Caught up in the global contagion of sin and its consequences, there is no other help and there is no other hope. Would you come to Jesus? We're in the midst of a global crisis. It's not caught God by surprise. It's certainly caught us by surprise. What is it that God is saying to you? I hope you're asking that question. I'm certainly asking that question. And we may be asking it more and more in the days ahead. As we close this service today, I'm going to simply pray. And as we pray, I want you to search your heart for what God might be saying to you, what steps that God might want you to take, what adjustments that he might want you to make in your life. Also, I want to say, if you've listened to this service today, I would certainly like to know about it. I don't know where people are. Maybe you can email me at eddie, E-D-D-I-E, at fbcloosedale.com. We'd simply like to know if you listen. That'd give us an idea of how many people we had at church today. Let's pray together.